still soldiers. With, yeah, I mean, it, we need them, but yeah, you like can't talk talk shit about. It. It's like even I like working at Home Depot. I can't talk shit on the lot guy. We still need a guy pushing the carts, and I don't I don't want to go do it. Like we still need people cleaning up. Like doing the stupid deed, we still need road guards, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. We we still need road guards. I'm just not doing that, so I'm not gonna like go talk shit on you. But well, I mean, you know, as the Marine Corps, like we still need the Army to come in and hold. The problem is that y'all just go fuck it up, dude. We had to take Fallujah not once but twice. You're damn right. You're damn right. <laughs> yeah. You'd have taken it a third time had I been there. Tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah that bring me over shit. there, bro. Uh, yeah, no. My dad always said uh, he still says it. He he just wish he was he wishes he was a part of something like the Marine Corps. Cuz I even and I kind of felt out of place cuz I didn't go to college and then you see everybody with a college sticker and a college hat of the college they went to and all that and I'm like, "Man, I don't have nothing." And then I got into army and I was like, "Okay, here we go." But it's nowhere near like that Marine Corps Marine Corps cult. Yeah, it's wild, like, man. Yeah. I think but they have to. Bro. College probably ain't all it's cracked up to be. I went for a couple of semesters and I dropped out. I'm a proud community college dropout right here. Oh, I, I did for yeah, I did for the army. Now I'm back in community college. It's a little tough. I'm not gonna lie. Got your ass, bro. Yeah, they got. But you. I'm doing it for the podcast, dude. I'm doing it to help people. I'm gonna go get me a doctorate in psychology. Hey, when you got a when you got a reason why it it, it makes it makes a huge yeah difference. yeah, and that's why I, I hit up. Uh, Kevin, I hit up Tank. Shout oh, out to Fullerton. And shout he, out to Fullerton, um, bro. He, he did, this guy's nuts. First off, he's like, I would say probably like 220, just straight brick shit house build. It just I, massive. How do you describe Fullerton? Yeah. You ever see those really jack dogs that are just like a machine, bro? Like Fullerton, <laughs> bro, is fucking it. I had a dude in my, uh, on my first deployment like that. Old. Yeah. No, dude's just yoked out of his mind. And then, incredible, uh, man. But he's done. Like, he's got a master's while still in the Army. He, he's got a couple di different other things, too. So I, I messaged him. I'm like, dude, how did you do all this? Because this was before I got back into school, when I was in my rut, when I just moved back to my parents. Like, dude, how did you do this? This is insane. Master's in international relations, I think is what it is. And I asked him, and he was like, dude, you just have to have a goal. Like, you can't just go. I was just going to get money. I was just going because they pay me to go. So I was just going. And it was it was well, brutal. I, I failed a class. Like, now I'm back in that class now, and the class still sucks. But <laughs> I, I'm able to do it now because I see it as if I don't do this class, I won't get my doctorate in psychology. Like you said, it's just it makes it a lot easier. So shout out to Fullerton for helping me out with that. Bro, one. Fullerton, dude. The I, needed, I needed that milk. That's He's for sure. smart for the Army, bro. No, that dude. Yeah, you don't too smart and Jack. That dude's about to make his I'm I'm excited to follow his life because he's he's got it all going on. But but back to Steven. Let's start this show and we'll get it underway, baby. Right on. Well, I guess I'll just start with who I am. Oh, 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 I don't know. My bad, dude. I was on the laptop and I couldn't <laughs> fucking click it. I don't know what's happening, dude. That was so professional. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know how we do, man. No, so I feel like I'm back. on Joe Rogan right now. You know, yes, yeah, sir. We got the microphone. Joe Yo, Rogan, don't go outside. I got the microphone, the cigar. I got wine. I don't do whiskey 
too often anymore. Um, but yeah, welcome back, everybody. Episode 57, steadily increasing, baby. Happy to be here. We have Steven on the show, and uh, I don't think we did an ad last episode, so I apologize, Steven, but Steven is our first sponsor of the show, and I couldn't think of a better company to go along with our mission so we'll get into that we're going to get into the little dark sides of the military and oh yeah how to, how steven went from military to starting a brand how hard it is to start a brand because <laughs> i thought it would be a breeze but it, it is so gotcha. hard like even the podcast yeah. people think this is easy this there's so much more into it than you think there is and yeah we're, i'm excited to get into it so First off, Kev, how you doing today, man? I am phenomenal, bro. It is finally starting to get cold here in Nashville, so yeah. I'm super thankful for that. No, but I'm pumped to get into this, dude. Yeah, no, we got a beautiful day out here in Tampa. Steven, how you doing today, man? Dude, it's gorgeous out, man. It's Southern California, man. Oh, it's get the like, fuck it's out sunny. Dude, it's like 80 <laughs> degrees. Uh, I, I'd be wearing shorts, but I just got back from training dogs, and for whatever reason, I don't like to wear shorts while I'm doing that, you know, because I get probably because I'm a masochist, you know, just say, hey, I hate myself, it's gonna be hot. <laughs> the boss never wears shorts, bro. It's in the Sopranos, you can't be, ah, dude. All the rest of the time, I'm wearing shorts, it's just you know, oh, man, whatever. Then. Dog training, <laughs> I, don't, I don't wear shorts for it. <laughs> I'm part of the tiny calf crew, so you won't really see me in shorts. Yeah, no, I don't. You gotta, you gotta squirrel them bad boys away, huh? Yeah, I, I wear shorts to work to show off my massive legs that I don't have. Get the fuck out! And of then you. I, I wear, I wear shorts to the gym on leg day, and that's it. Every other day is pants. Learn that from my cousin. Don't ever wear shorts to the gym unless you're working on legs. You gotta have those ex fat guy calves, bro. That's the only way I oh, think you look happy. No, I got the hockey calves. Speaking of, your dad's lost a bunch of weight, though, dude. Oh, yeah, that. man. Let's just shout out. Yeah, shout out to my dad real quick because a big reason I wanted to move home and what made me feel happier about moving back home was I was going to be able to help them to my parents get back into better shape. And with my sister's wedding coming up, they both had a reason. So we started going to the gym and started honing in on the diet. And just I was able to answer a couple questions here and there for him. And coming home each day, I came home the other day and he asked me, like, is this snack good to have or is this dessert good to have? And I was able to answer. It's just very cool. He's lost about 40 pounds within the past six months, maybe. And the dude's just looking phenomenal. He's an so journey, when, when my wife saw the picture that the post she made on facebook you had like a before and after yo yeah and uh she thought that the after was you what she thought the after was you because it was he was in good shape bro yeah doing some trev little pose dude yeah no, he looks, he <laughs> oh, looks yeah. phenomenal man it's it's it's, it's great to see for real. yeah but we got we got a beautiful day here in florida um i'm just happy to get into it steven you want to go into why you chose why you chose the marines and how you got into that and then we'll just kind of go from there I, well, actually real real quick how'd you grow up how was how was life in childhood dude it wasn't great <laughs> no I mean, so you joined you know, the marine somebody corps. who joined the marine corps infantry, <laughs> what else would you honestly expect you know what i mean yeah uh you know I, my parents split when i was super young i got uprooted from southern california got taken up to the uh middle of nowhere in the adirondack mountains i mean it was like straight an hour to the nearest grocery store kind of thing and i mean that wasn't too bad dude it was pretty cool i loved growing up there you know 
playing in the mud, running around in the creeks, like you'd see deer and bear all the time, man. And uh, that was pretty cool. But, you know, the the parent situation wasn't that great uh, between, you know, a mom that wasn't really present and a uh, quite a few father figures that, you know, they might have laid down the law a little bit heavy handed or just didn't honestly give a fuck that I was there. Made for (laughs) uh, a fairly rough childhood and some childhood trauma that I ended up, you know, bringing into my adult life and uh when it when it came right down to it you know the graduating high school what the fuck am i gonna do dude i want to do something cool i'm gonna join the marine corps hell yeah i'll do the infantry because why not man yeah if you're gonna be a marine you might as well go all the way you know yeah yeah so why did you was there a reason you did the marine did you do it because of the cult following that we were talking about or you just Dude, I read a book about Marines. Well, first I was talking to basically all the different recruiters. I, I ruled the army out because this recruiter, I, I forget what he said I had lied about, but he was like, yeah, you're lying, bro. I don't believe you. And I was like, right on. Well, I guess I don't want to join. <laughs> and, like, I'm telling you the truth. I don't know what else to like. You're like, what, you want me to lie to you about not doing this? Or I was like, I don't know, man. So I was like, all right, you're out. Went to the Coast Guard and dude, the Coast Guard was like, oh, you ain't got a college degree, bro. Get the fuck out of here, man. And I was just what like, the fuck? they're mad selective. Bro. I'm not I trying to be an officer. I'm just trying to, I don't know, be a deckhand or something like whatever it is. The Coast Guard does. And they're like, nah, we ain't gonna take together. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what like, the hell they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, shit. I've worked with them. I don't know what they do. They didn't know what they did. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then uh Marine Corps recruiter got a hold of me and he was like, my man, let me tell you about the Marine Corps. And I was just like, dude, I was sold. I was hooked. Mm. Like, yes, all of this, I want it. You know, you left out all of the all of the the darker <laughs> side of it, the uh the bullshit that tends to go on behind the scenes, but yeah. sold me on all the badass shit. So I was like, fuck yeah, dude, let's do it. That's just an effective recruiting strategy. Yep. Yeah. World <laughs> worldwide. Yep. Well, I tell you what, the Marine Corps kills it at public relations, man. They get, oh, like, man. books written about them. And, you know, Marines are just badass. So, like, the material is easy to come by, you know. And uh, yeah. I read a book about Marines by Oliver North. I can't remember the name of the book. But, dude, that just – that cemented it in my mind. I was going to be a Marine. And uh, I guess the rest is history, man. I went to boot camp the first night there. I thought – I remember thinking to myself, I have made a horrible decision. Oh. <laughs> A show of hands. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. That? yeah. Right here. yeah I'll raise both hands to that one. Man. Yo, oh, my God. Like, oh, no. What have I done? Yeah. I remember, yeah, leaving. And I had these really vivid dreams. Like, the first night you're there, you don't go to bed until, like, 3 in the morning. You got to wake up with like, yeah. the butt crack of dawn the next day. And I've had these, like, really vivid dreams where I was back in Colorado. And it was like I was getting sucked out of them, bro. Like, pulled away. Like, no, hell no. Get your ass in formation, Dalen. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a trip, dude. Yeah, no. It ain't It ain't easy going to a basic train. Like, yeah, my first day was like, where? Like, you sleep in a bay full of, what, like 80 people? Dude, I think I had like 100. Yeah. It's oh, like, oh, my God. There are so many people in here. None of us know what the fuck we're doing. We, we barely have clothes. Like, I have nothing to my name right now. What What's going on? We had to stand like online in the squad bay 
naked in front of everybody else more times than I feel was completely necessary. <laughs> like when, when they ask, like when they, I ran outside cause I was late to something like the second day I was in the army homies like, what company are you in soldier? And I'm like, bro, what, I don't, what the hell is a company, man? I, D like, I don't know, bro. I hit in my locker to get off fire guard, dude. You're asking the wrong one. Like you put me somewhere. in my locker, bro. No, you they didn't. they got like reception, right? Like when you first get in there. Yeah. Are you talking about the Marine Corps? Yeah, like when you first get there before you leave to the actual. Oh group. yeah, you get blasted by a drill instructor when you when you get on, on uh, when when you get to the base from the bus. You know they they hop on and they're like, ah, y'all are worthless. Go stand on my yellow footprints, and then it just starts and it doesn't end until you basically until uh, the crucible's over at the end of the you know, what, 13th week or whatever it is. What were you thinking on those yellow footprints? Other than, shit, I might have fucked up. Dude, honestly, I was super excited. Yeah, I was ready to go. I, like, I had waited so long to get there. I was I was hyped. Um, there's actually these set of doors on Paris Island, probably San, MCRD San Diego, too. I don't know. I ain't never been there. Um, and supposedly, you only walk through them once, right? Like, it's supposed to be the beginning of your Marine Corps career. Mm. Well, through some snafu or, or another. I actually walked through them twice, like my entire platoon did. Like we went through it, and then we came back at some point in time in the first two days, and we did it again. And I was like, huh, all right, I'm going through twice. Right on. All right, cool. You're already <laughs> fucking up. And then shortly <laughs> after that, you know, after filling out the paperwork, handing in all my civilian clothes and, like, getting my camis, getting to the squad bay, and then all hell broke loose. That's when I was like, all right, you know what? I might have made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. This is some bullshit is what this is. So yeah, wh- where were you stationed first? Where'd you go? Where'd you go uh, right after that? Good old Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, man. I mean. Wait, what? I thought they yeah. kept you on the coast, dude. Like yeah, that is the coast. North oh, Carolina is no, the coast, no, dude. No, <laughs> no. I'm talking like if you enlisted out of Denver, Colorado, they keep you in the West Coast. Oh yeah, dude, I enlisted out in New York. You didn't you didn't catch that part? I thought you were from Southern California. I am. I moved to the Adirondacks in upstate New York. Yeah, Adirondacks. I right, shut the fuck up, Charlie. Like you could like anyone could find that on a map. My bad. My bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, nobody ever knows where the fuck it is. I'm yeah, like, I didn't dude, know where it was. Know the Adirondacks, man. That's like, you know, <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's New York it's State, crazy. so it sucks, but it's gorgeous. Okay, so you're in you North Carolina. About? That's pretty cool they do that cuz uh the army don't give a fuck. I was about to go to goddamn South Korea. Shit, you're asking. Yeah, Mexico, well, man. when uh, when I went through the infantry training battalion, dude, they were they sent. Uh, so I was an O three fifty two, you know, tow gunner by trade, and they sent. They were sending a couple of dudes out to Hawaii, and I was like, "Please send me to Hawaii. Please send me." <laughs> Hell no. Dude, Hell you think no. I got sent to Hawaii? Fuck no. Hell dude, no. Hell no. Second battalion, eighth Marines, right in the middle of the swamp of North mm-hmm. Carolina. So, how was that though? Like, you first get there, like, as a new private or whatever, dude. It was worse than boot camp oh, no. and ITB put together. <laughs> I got my <laughs> shit pushed in, All right? Because I was, you know, some sheltered kid from upstate New York, didn't really know shit about life. And, dude, them dudes had just come back from a gnarly deployment in Helmand Province, and so they. Dude, they had they, they set us right, you know. We were we were well prepared for the rigors of combat. Mm. They might have gone a little bit overboard, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> who doesn't? I don't, when you're, uh, I don't know how to. Do, I don't know how to describe back from a, a deployment like that. 
Like you walking in as a fresh private and everyone just got back from overseas. Like that that's about as bad as it gets, Steve. Oh yeah, I got a dip bottle thrown at my head like oh. first day. <laughs> Yo, what's that scene from Jarhead where he's walking into the barracks and like all the Marines are on the balcony just looking at him, bro? Oh yeah, but it was worse mm. because when I checked in, dude, everybody was out in the field training. Like they'd been on a week long training op, you know. So oh. like, not only had they just come back from a gnarly deployment, but they had just come back from the field. So they were all pissed off. Like every anything oh, I did would have been wrong, anyways. Dude, I checked in, and uh, my roommate at the time, my like brand new roommate, never been in this room before. Right? There's a couple. There's like a pizza box laying around. There's maybe some crumbs, a little bit of trash. Like it's not. It's not terrible, but it ain't the way it's supposed to be. Dude, I straight got hazed. I've never even been in this room before. They're like, how the fuck <laughs> possibly have a dirty-ass room? I'm like, I don't know. This is the first first time I'm seeing this. What, is this an excuse? This Yo. And they're like, well, this sucks to suck. Tom, I, got, I guess I got to haze you because your room's all fucked up. Oh, I was no. just like, all right, on. This no, that's funny you say uh, everything. Anything I would have done would have been wrong anyways because I was working yesterday with my uh, – department head we were setting up the christmas tent and he asked me to do something and i'm like my first thought was like fuck i'm gonna do this wrong and it's so funny because like that's what you think in the army or in the military he's like uh this is gonna be wrong i'm gonna fucking pay for whatever you're like on on edge for everything you do and finally yesterday i thought to myself when doing this i'm like what what the fuck's he gonna do? What he's you gonna yell at me, scream at me, tell me I'm a piece of shit and I should have never joined or some shit like in the army? No, like, he's gonna be joined. like, hey. And then I did fuck it up, and he was like, hey, I didn't mean to do that. I meant this, and I was like, all right, well, fuck it. <laughs> like, and it didn't matter. But it's funny that yeah, that's that's how the mentality is, and then you get out and you're you're like on edge all the time. It's it's yeah. crazy. But what'd you uh, you got any cool uh, like what'd you do in the Marines? You went overseas, didn't you? Yeah, I did a couple yeah. deployments to Afghanistan. Uh, oh, yeah. Once in 2011. Good old Marja, man. Dude, that place, uh, it was it was a wild deployment. We uh, there, was, there was some kinetic action, you know, going on there. There was an awful lot of, uh, found an awful lot of IEDs. For somebody who was in the lead truck the entire time, somehow missed every single one of them. Good to go. And Hell yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like, a, there were more, more, more occasions than I can count where, like, for no reason or maybe some weird reason that I don't understand, the, uh, the marching order of the platoon would change. And not more than five minutes later, the new lead truck would get blown up. Or, you know, I'd be sitting over a, an area for like, dude, 30, 40 minutes and nothing would happen. We'd, push forward a little bit truck behind me would get blown up you know it was it, it was a uh, wild or there was this one time we were driving through the desert coming into marja proper and we were in view of an afghan national army post and like so you know i'm not really paying all that much attention to everything just sort of driving and uh dude last truck bears out of my out of my track like dude a foot gets blown up like wow EOD came out and they were sweeping the area. Dude, they found like three or four IEDs and I had just sort of like lazily weaved through all of them. Dude, I wasn't paying it. I didn't even try to do that, but I like weaved through these IEDs, you know? 
Dude, she was she was crazy, man. Kev, can you guess my next question? I have one. Go ahead. Is there a part of you that's like, damn, I wish I got blown up too? Uh, <laughs> you know, at the at the time, I was like, you hell yeah, I get a purple heart. Like that sounds like a yeah. Good now, yeah. now that I'm older and wiser, I'm like, dude, thank God, because that shit is fucked. But young Steven yeah. was like, hey, man, I'll be set for life with, with one of them uh, enemy marksmanship badges. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing over there. Like, we were getting bombed in Afghanistan. I'm like, dude, like, blow up this fucking chew. Like, just just blow up our spot. Like, <laughs> I was working on the helicopter, incoming, incoming, incoming. I'm like, please. I don't know why, but I that's what I thought. But my question was, did that – did you believe in uh, – a religion or a God before you went over there or anything? So I had grown up in a pretty uh, fundamentalist Protestant household. So like there was some stuff that was ingrained in me, but throughout my early twenties, I started to leave that behind. And, you know, at the time, like I wasn't practicing, I didn't, you know, I'd like say grace before I ate because that's what I was supposed to do. But like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't hold anything to it of real, any value. Did you, did you end up like thinking to yourself, like, man, like how, how have I not blown up yet? Like someone's looking out for me or anything. Did that ever cross, cross your mind at all? Uh, honestly, no, I started to chalk it up to, uh, to coincidence. And there's, there was a pretty strong period of my life. And it started to begin around this time where I was like pretty hardcore atheist, like, nope, they, mm-hmm. everything's random chance. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm just keep getting lucky. (laughs) That's, that's kind of how I was. And then when I hit my depression, Kevin was like, nah, dude, this like, you're still here for a reason. There, it's not a coincidence that this happened like five times in a row, you know, like there's come like, come on, dude. How, how old were you in in your atheist stage? It started, uh, about 20, 21. And has lasted up until I'd say my maybe about 30 or so. And then I started kind of questioning stuff. I'd still say that, you know, for a while there in my 30s that I was it's like, you know, all right. Yeah, I'm mostly an atheist. There's maybe something out mm. there that we don't understand yet. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I love science. Like science is my thing. Yeah, so I always told myself like. Hey, you know, maybe there's something out there that we just don't understand yet. You know, eventually science will catch up to it. But uh, I think we'll actually talk about my ayahuasca experience a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, that has totally back. changed my mind. Dude, go into that now. Send I didn't even right, know about man. that. Yeah, yeah, no, send it. I got, uh, uh, I got they- hooked up by the Heroic Hearts Project. They're this nonprofit that help uh, veterans with experimental, I say experimental, but like, you know, uh, the ayahuasca stuff, the Shipibo people who put on these ceremonies, they, they've been practicing this for thousands of years. So it's experimental in the sense that Western medicine doesn't really understand it yet, but, um, it's, it's a treatment that's been around for like practically forever. Um, and yeah, heroic hearts project, man, they hooked me up. They sent me down to Peru with this great people, great group of people, um, they have donors that, that paid for essentially the entire thing. You know, I paid what I could, uh, just, just help out. And, uh, man, it was an amazing experience. They've got, uh, facilitators there. They've got, uh, the sham that the maestros, which are basically shaman, um, the healers. 
and dude, there's so much love and support in these things. It's, 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 it's an incredible experience. Were you and, surrounded uh, by, were you surrounded by more veterans? Yeah. Yeah. Almost yeah, okay. everybody on the trip was a, was a veteran. Okay. The only person that wasn't a veteran was actually, she, she worked, uh, she worked for heroic hearts projects, you know, like spreading, okay. spreading the good word. So, yeah. so yeah, she was, she was there to experience it and, uh, you know, like really have a deep understanding of what it was that she was promoting. Um, but we all, we all had just a, a crazy experience. My own experience, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily a pleasant one, but it was like exactly what I needed. I felt we, I, we had three ceremonies. The first ceremony, um, I felt like it was just like me and the medicine getting to know each other. And, and like, dude, this, some of this stuff's going to sound fucking crazy. Nah, send it. But, well, yeah, no one's going to understand because we don't, we, yeah. no one's done it, you know, like until you do, is that, is, I'm guessing that's one of those things until you do it, you really don't. Yeah, dude, I went into this super skeptical, like, you know, mm -hmm. we had a, we had a, a little bit of a talk beforehand with the facilitators and the, and the healers. And they were like, you know, talking about the spirit of the ayahuasca. And I was like, yeah, okay. Plant spirits. Yeah. Whatever, bro. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, I went in, went into it the first night and it was kind of like, I, it was like the medicine was teaching me how to, uh, how to let go and how to let her do the work. Cause I had, you know, I'd set my intention super strong. Like, this is what I want to work on. I want to work on this and nothing else. And, uh, my first night, like for most of the night, you know, it's just like battling the ayahuasca, almost trying to keep focused on what I wanted to work on. And I ended up getting tired and, uh, you know, something came up that, that, uh, I didn't really expect. It was, uh, something that I thought I'd work through. Um, I had a good friend that that, that committed suicide well, right as I was getting out of the Marine Corps and I thought I'd process through that and it came up and I was just like, Whoa, damn, that's wild. Okay. Well, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting the ayahuasca. Let's explore this. What are you trying to tell me? You know? And, uh, dude, it's wild. I had a conversation with Noah. Um, I basically said, what the fuck, dude, why would you do this to me? And, uh, and I, I let him have it for a little bit. And then I was just like, you know what, man, I miss you. And like, shit's tough. It'd be cool if I got a hug. And I swear to God, man, that fool gave me a hug from the other side. Like wow. I could feel it inside myself, like just this, this feeling of like an embrace and warmth and like compassion. And I'm like, Whoa, that's, dude, that's wild. Mm -hmm. And you know, that all came after letting, letting the ayahuasca take control and, and show me what I needed to see. And then the next night, uh, I ended up having a little bit more medicine, so ostensibly, so I could feel some more of it. And I, I swear to God, I could see the spirit of the ayahuasca like dancing in the in the hut that we were in, like working through the healers. And uh, it was it was crazy. It was at that moment that I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. I have no fucking clue. But whatever this is, whatever the spirit of the ayahuasca is, dude, it loves us. Like it might be Mother Earth for all I know. I, I don't I don't know. I don't get it. But it's absolutely like a thing. And um, dude, I, I like one of the things they tell you is to just trust the medicine. No matter what comes up, it's coming up for a reason, you know. Um, and so I was I was 
trusting, letting go and trusting the medicine to do its thing. And, you know, things would pop up that were, they were kind of like scary. And I was like, I took the advice of the facilitators and just said, you know, okay, what are you trying to show me? And I, I, these scary things, they'd come up, I'd say, okay, what do you try? What is this? Like, I trust you, but what is this? And it was crazy because I would watch like this scary thing that I could see just sort of start to shrivel up almost like a, a plant that hadn't gotten water and it would disappear and it'd be gone. And it was almost like in the second night, um, the ayahuasca was teaching me how to how to handle a tough experience with the medicine. So, you know, the first night's learning how to let go. The second night is learning how to handle like a, a strenuous like ayahuasca experience. And then the third night. Hey, yo, <laughs> dude, this is where shit got real um, going into it. Before I'd even taken the medicine that night, I could feel like something in my stomach was already not happy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this one's going to be rough, man. I almost didn't want to take the, the medicine. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I invited my, my younger self to come to the mat and basically experience it with me. Um, you know, jumping back a little bit. Uh, there's, there's trauma from my, my uh, childhood, right. That I need yeah. to work through. So I invited that child onto the mat to experience whatever we were going to experience tonight and kind of like show up for that child, you know, give them what he didn't necessarily have as a, as a, as a child, because now I'm an adult that can take care of myself. And, oh. uh, dude, I got there, I took the medicine and man, I went through it. When, uh, when, when people talk about like disturbing trips, horrifying trips, it started, it started, I could feel the, the, the stomach like coming up, dude, it was not a comfortable, like sick to my stomach. Cause it's a drink, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a tea. Um, it's boiled ayahuasca and shakruna and it's, it doesn't taste the best. That's for sure. But, um, what is it though? Like, where are they getting this stuff from, dude? So ayahuasca is a vine. Um, it grows in the Amazon jungle, and shakruna is a plant that also grows in the in the Amazon jungle. And it's oh. this particular combination, and not really any other combination that that tends to work like this. Let me get this straight. I go into the Amazon jungle, right? The biggest ecosystem in the world. And find the most these biodiverse two... place on the planet. Yeah, and find two plants. two plants that happen to make you ha this. It, it, it elicits a reaction, but it's just two random vines. Like, wow! Basically, Did they tell you? I mean, think think about it like this. So I talked to the maestros about it. I'm like, dude, like, how do you get here? Well, what's your thing? They go into a crazy diet. Like, they're super strict. You know, they have to eat ultra clean like no garlic no onions like no pork no red meat like incredibly clean and then they go into a period of essentially isolation where they're just like communing with the plants they don't talk uh and i might be butchering this because dude i have no idea um but i do know that they spend an awful lot of time like meditating and just being silent and eventually what happens 
is like they start to be able to hear what the plant the plants are saying and so yeah you could look at just you know maybe they just started mixing random shit and like oh dude don't don't do this concoction because you know dude bob he uh dude he he killed he did this one he killed over dead you know what i mean or maybe <laughs> like maybe they are actually like getting getting stuff from these plants and the plants told them what you needed to do. You know, the spirit of the ayahuasca is like, hey, take me, take some chacruna, you know, boil it down and then drink oh. it and see what happens. And that's that's honestly what I believe. And this is coming from somebody who is a hyper like there's zero percent chance. Skeptical. Yeah. And now I'm like, dude, I think there's more than like a 95 percent chance that that's what happened. I had this like hypothesis with shit like that where like it's like bread, you know, that was started because someone mixed some flour and water on accident and then yeah. some yeast got in there and all of a sudden they had bread. Like I wonder if homie just got, they were just sampling every vine out there, happened to brush up against this. And he's like, dude, I'm tripping hard right now. <laughs> it's like, bro, I'm thinking about shit. I don't want to think about right now let's do it more but then like <laughs> if, if you're if you're hugging a friend that's been gone for a while who's to say that plant didn't instruct yeah you know whoever way back when yeah i dude i i told you it's gonna sound fucking crazy but i we and we don't think you're crazy at no, all. no i don't I, I mean i've done my fair share of lsd yeah. So like it may not be similar, but it's it's like just as crazy, you know. Yeah. Like it explaining to someone how LSD works is hard to do. And you sound oh, crazy yeah. explaining it because to the normal mind that's like that's not shit that normally comes up. Like it I don't know. Like explaining like I feel so like I don't know, like I, I fit in this world yet <clears throat> I'm not I'm not unique almost like I am unique, but there's so many, I'm so small to the big grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's like, why would you think that way? Well, I don't know, dude, I took LSD and that's what, that's where it got me. Like, I don't really know. Yeah. But what, what made you want to go, uh, go over there and do it, do this whole thing? Like, how'd you find the, uh, what is it? Dude, I, I read a book years ago about a combat veteran that went and did ayahuasca in the jungle and basically came back healed from PTSD. And that was, you know, years ago, right? I knew I wanted to do this. I just didn't know how. And then I started my coffee company. I was, dude, I was messaging random people on LinkedIn, like, Hey man, you want to buy some coffee? I ended up hitting <laughs> up this, this one dude. Right. And he's like, right on, let's talk about it on a call. And I was like, dude, hell yeah, I'm gonna sell some coffee. And, uh, he was like right on let me hear let me hear about you man like what, what's your story and so i told him and uh he's like well hey uh you ever thought about going to the jungle and doing some ayahuasca and i was like you know as a matter of fact i have uh he's like right on well i can get you hooked up with it seeing as you're a combat veteran dude he hooked me up with heroic cards project and i was down there in like a couple of months it was crazy wow. is that the group that we were we, i was in you know, almost all of us had, there was some sort of coincidence that like got us to that particular retreat for me, dude, I was messaging random people on LinkedIn. Like I had no business being there. <laughs> I just happened, happened out of the millions of people on LinkedIn message, the one dude that could get me there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so, like, if it was just me, I'd say, all right, that that's just coincidence, dude. Like, coincidences, they happen. But, dude, everybody, there's no way that everybody got there coincidentally, and it's all just a coincidence. So I feel pretty heavily that when it's your time to experience ayahuasca, you'll, you'll find yourself almost profoundly called to the experience. Wow. Wait, can I ask, though, the, the other people, like, y'all were all tripping at one time? Yep. Yep. Was, was their experience, what was their experience? Was it comparable to yours? No, it was all over the place, man. Um, some people had, like, just really beautiful, gentle experiences, and every time we talked about it afterwards, I'd just be like, that's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am, hugging my dead best friend. Yeah. My dead best friend. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't yeah. what I wanted and it wasn't what I expected, but it was what I needed. That third yeah. night, mm. it was miserable. It was hellacious. It was like going through my all the worst parts of my childhood again. But, you know, going through it as a child, I had nobody. Going through it again as an adult with my child, I was there. I was able to be there for myself. And that's where, like, my healing came from. Dude, I, I, uh, it was a profound experience. I have much more, you know, love for myself. I'm able to create space for myself. Um, I've actually find that I have pretty intense emotional responses to stuff. And now when that stuff comes up, you know, I take a moment because I just sit with it and sit with myself. And I tell myself, Hey, you know, whatever this emotion is like, it's okay to have, but just know that like, it's not as extreme maybe as I'm making it out to be. And then you know, I'm basically like, I talk to myself like I would, if I had a son that was going through it and came to me and was like, Hey, this is what I'm yeah. doing, you know? And I found that it's actually helped substantially uh, because those, those really intense emotions would, would feed into my anxiety and like my, mm -hmm. you know, to, trying to, trying to make, huge amounts of space, not wanting to leave the house, that kind of thing. Um, depression is another one that, that comes up often with that. And so being able to create space for myself and just to like take care of myself is just such a valuable skill that honestly, I didn't even really know I needed before I went down there. Yeah. And so it's amazing how to me, the, the ayahuasca is able to, you know, it, it knows what you need without you even really needing to know what you need. As long as you trust it to do what it needs to do to heal you, you're, you're going to find some sort of profound healing. It's incredible. Yeah, I've heard of people like they take it and then they throw up a bunch. Oh, yeah, that was me on the third night. Yep, I threw oh, up bro. all night. It was it was miserable. It just it didn't stop. And it was like, dude, you don't eat dinner that night. So, like, there shouldn't be that much to throw up, right? But, like, it just kept coming. It didn't stop. For, like, three hours straight, I was puking. But, and, you know, that sounds miserable. So, to anybody listening, you know, don't necessarily expect that that's going to be your experience. It, it, having gone through it, dude, I would absolutely go back and do it again. And, and <laughs> it, it was a miserable experience, but it was exactly what I needed. You know, like wow. I said, there were other people that had just beautiful, wonderful, eye-opening experiences, and they just felt like a level of love and compassion that they'd never felt before in their lives. And so it, it really boils down to just what kind of he healing you need, and that's the kind of healing that the ayahuasca is going to bring bring to the table. Whoa. Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's incredible.
but and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that like as important as the medicine is as plant medicines can be and it's not just ayahuasca but psilocybin you know even LSD uh as important as that is, you know, having somebody that can hold space for you, keeping you safe while you're going through this, um, as well as integration on the backside. You know, there's you can get an integration coach. You can read a book on psychedelic inter- integration. It's like some of these experiences can be really tough. You know, yeah. um, I actually had to talk with a couple of different coaches about my experience before I was really able to parse what it was that my lesson was. Um, and how to actually then integrate it into my life going forward. Because it is possible to just, you know, have this experience and you go home and then everything just goes back to normal. And you yeah. know, learn this, this profound lesson, but if you don't apply it, uh, you're, you're not going to find the healing. So it's, it's vital to, uh, to, to get some coaching um, and, and integrate it into your life. And, you know, for anybody that doesn't want to go to Peru, you want to use psilocybin LSD or whatever the case may be, you know, you got a plug and you can get the stuff. If you want to uh, work on some stuff, make sure you've got somebody that can hold space for you. You know, a, 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 they call it a trip sitter, but basically uh, somebody who's, who's done it a handful of times, a professional um, will, will have ways that they can help you experience what you need to experience while keeping you safe. I was going to say, yes, so massive. That is so massive because I I I, I took LSD one time and right right as I was about to peak, my friend yelled that this lady who just came in who was invited to my house was the cops. Oh, I remember that. Dude, I lost it. Like the whole time I was I was freaking out. And Brian May, my brother-in-law now the goat the goat this dude had to put up with my shit the whole time and it was it was a tough time but having that trip sitter having that trip sitter is absolutely massive and you don't really know because you don't know about the drug so you can't like you can't think of that like we're telling you now if you want to do any of these drugs a trip sitter is almost essential Oh, I would say it's 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 mandatory I, i started my psychedelic journey on my own and in retrospect, I see how incredibly reckless that was. Mm-hmm. I had, I, I, I've had a couple of uh, what you would call bad trips. And, you know, sometimes that's what you have to go through, but you don't really necessarily have control over it. Right. And so if you're not in a safe place or say you have weapons, you know, you're not in your right, you're not in a normal frame of mind. And if you've got a weapon, there's, there's a possibility that it goes horribly wrong. Yeah, and uh, so so that's why I say like set and setting very important. Having somebody to hold hold space for you, ultra important because you may have a beautiful experience. You may also have the most horrifying experience you've ever had your entire life, and you don't want uh, you don't want to lose yourself because you didn't have somebody to keep you safe at at the time. How long are you tripping for? Well, it depends on the drug. Okay, on ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, how long did you trip for on ayahuasca those days? Uh, it's, the ceremonies were about four to five hours long, maybe maybe about six hours long. Oh, wow. uh, and it, it varied from person to person. Some people were were still in it, and some people had actually reactivated 
after the ceremony was over, you know, they'd go down, um, get a cup of tea and they'd drink it. And then they'd just be like, Whoa, I'm back in it. You know? Um, so the ayahuasca actually stays with you for a while. Uh, post, uh, so before you go down to an ayahuasca retreat, a reputable, uh, retreat center will have you start a special diet, um, eating super clean, cutting out added sugar, uh, cutting out coffee, caffeine, eventually you have to refrain from sex, um, and post, uh, retreat, you actually do the same thing, but instead of weaning off stuff, you're weaning back onto stuff. And, um, I'd be lying if I said, I fully understand it. I don't, um, I don't really know why I think it's something to do energetically, which I don't really understand. Um, I was a skeptic going in. I'm much less of a skeptic coming out. So I'm just I'm just doing what they say, and uh, <laughs> you know, when I get to the end of it, I'll, I'll you know start drinking my coffee again. But shit, what was this group called? They got you down there. Heroic Hearts Project, dude. They're phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. They hooked us up with uh, with with uh, psychedelic coaching, um, both before and after. Um, the group that they, you know, curated and put together is amazing. We, we ended up bonding, like we're, we're all a great group of friends now, man. We only spent a week together. You know what I mean? Um, but it felt like we went on a whole ass deployment together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, um, you know, they pay for the trip. They ask that you, you pay for what you can. Um, but you know, if you're flat broke, they're, they're covering every, almost every expense. Uh, you you pay for like one meal, and that's that's about the extent of it. So we might wow. be taking a mind over matter trip down there. Dude. Yeah, I'd be yeah. down. That sounds fucking. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, but you've mentioned coffee now. We're gonna we're gonna transfer it over here. Uh, weaning back onto your coffee, and I do want to pull up what we got here. Kevin made him or made us a little. Uh, oh yeah, hell yeah. Made us a little ad here, so. Would love for you to go through your your brand here, man, and just kind of talk us through it. So when we create our ad and everybody else sees it, they know what's going on. Like I said earlier, I couldn't think of a better mission to align with ours. It's it's awfully similar. And someone who's gone through an experience with a friend leaving this earth, um, it means even more. So if you just want to go through what you got, man, how you got to honor guard coffee and uh how the journey has been creating the brand because that is not easy oh so, my god so first yeah man. first i'd like to say congrats because even getting this far is incredibly powerful yeah. so good job man but it's been tough yeah yeah well hey after after my friend noah passed uh he could that that suicide completely threw my life I, like every plan i had you know i was set up with voc rehab to go to medical school. I was ready to go be a wildland firefighter for a season and like transition nicely out of the Marine Corps. And then he died and everything went to fuck all, you know, I, I ended up self-medicating with weed, smoking myself stupid for like two years straight. And then almost out of the blue, my buddy was like, Hey man, I got this dog from this litter. And I think there's another dog there that would work great as a service dog. And you know, I didn't know shit, shit about fuck about training a service dog, but you know, yeah. I wanted a dog and I saw his dog and I was like, dude, that's badass. I want to go get a dog. So I went and got her, got her the next day. Um, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, but I was fortunate enough to find a, uh, 
an organization out here in Orange County, California. Give them a little plug. Veteran Canine Intelligence Academy. Link down uh, below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their their website looks a little bit uh, <laughs> it looks a little bit scammy, but I swear to God, it, it's on the up and up. It's 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 a retired Navy SEAL, a Vietnam era Navy SEAL. So okay. like you wouldn't expect the website to be that, high end, you know. Yeah, that explains yeah. the website, yeah. Yeah, it looks like I read a uh, uh, how to code a website for dummies and slapped it together and it's probably not far from the truth but great great phenomenal organization andy mcteague who founded it he'll give you he's the type of dude he's got so many veterans resources that like dude it's insane every every time i talk to him he's like oh yeah you know you can just go to this person for that and i'm like that's wild man i didn't know they did that shit um yeah, they uh, they hooked it up, man. They taught me how to train dogs, and they taught me how to train my own dog. And so, you know, I've got this sick service dog now, and she she completely transformed my life. Like, she got me to the point where I was able to start using psychedelics to, uh, you know, heal myself on the inside. Before her, dude, I I could barely go to the grocery store. It was it it was it was rough, man. Um. And now, dude, last weekend, I was just at the OC Fairgrounds, man, with people all over the place slinging this coffee. And I'm like, you know, had this realization that, like, dude, two years ago, I couldn't have. There's no way I could have done this. I'd have been posted with my back up against the wall searching and assessing for the threat, you know? Yeah, no, that's, dude, I I relate to that because I I went through that, too. Um, If you looked at me two years ago, three years ago, even when we started the podcast a year before the podcast, it Looking at the podcast, it's like, wow, how did I d- even do this? Where did it start? <laughs> so Bro, yeah. I don't have a dog to po- point the finger to, but yeah. No, even like going to the grocery store, it took me like a year and a half get- after I got back from my last deployment to be able to go to the grocery store without blasting music in my headphones, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that gave me so much like anxiety, bro. But like, it just took me a while to work through it. Like, Dude, it's, it's just tough. I mean, I have a theory, you know, we go from every day with we're with our best friends in the world. And then one day we're out of the military and it's just like you wake up and it's, oh, it's just me. Like, I don't know how you guys rolled, but when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, more so when I was a junior Marine than a senior Marine. But you went everywhere with somebody, dude, if you had to piss, like you had to either have an agreement with say you had to have a piss buddy. Or like you had to snag up one of your friends to go to the the porta shader with you to go to the bathroom, man. Like you always had somebody there with you to have your back. And then we get out and like there's nothing. Yeah. And I think what is what a dog can provide is gee, that that battle buddy uh, to to go everywhere with you, somebody to have your back, somebody that's just like there no matter what, dude. They love you. And no, no matter what, I didn't know what I was doing when I was training. I made a bunch of mistakes, but you know what? Venus doesn't care. She still loves me. And seeing how that transformed my life, I realized that, you know, like, dude, this service dogs have the power to, I'm convinced, end the suicide crisis that veterans are facing. And so, you know, I wanted to find a way to get that in the hands of more veterans because dude, it's a pain in the ass to get a service dog. The VA does still doesn't recognize service dogs for PTSD, at least not to my knowledge. They sure didn't when I was trying to get a service dog. Uh, if you go to a nonprofit, and there are a bunch of them out there, they're doing great work. But the thing is, there's like a two to three year wait list. Dude, if you're in crisis, that's not that's not 
dude, you, you can't wait two to three years. You just can't. You'll have two to three um, days, bro. Yeah. And, you know, you have the option of buying a service dog, but who's got 30 grand sitting around to buy a service dog? Not me. I sure as fuck don't. Yeah. And then the final. Yeah, the these final are trained option. dogs, right? They're not like like an emotional yes. support dog. It's an actual service animal. Right? Oh, no. It is like it is trained. If you if you see a dog that, you know, is sitting in a grocery cart and it's barking at everybody, but the lady's like, nah, it's a service dog. That ain't no service dog. Hey, every day I work, baby. Yo. Yep. Yep. No, a bullshit. service dog. A service dog will be well behaved, like at its its owner's side. It, it may, you know, like Venus, dude, she loves attention. So I, when we're walking through a crowd, she'll kind of be like, "Oh, I want some pets," and I'll be like, "No, you you, you can't get pets from everybody. You're actually working, homie." And she's like, "Oh, well, okay, I guess I'll work." But, you know, she's not barking. She's not licking people. She's not jumping on people. She's not carrying on. She's at my side. She's a well-behaved dog. If somebody doesn't have a well-behaved dog, it ain't a service dog. I'll tell you that right now. I don't even have to see it. I, it ain't, ain't. My dog ain't no service dog, bro. <laughs> Neither <laughs> one of them, bro. Neither. I have a pug and, like, a Rottweiler pit bull mix. Like, the pug's stupid. And then the rot pit mix is just off the wall insane. Yeah. Like... Is there a program like that where, like, if you already have a dog, you can make him a service dog? Do you Absolutely, know? yes. Oh, Veteran Canine God. Intelligence Academy. Look, per uh, federal law, you are allowed to train your own dog. Look, the bar's not all that high. Look, my dog Venus, dude. Honestly, honest to God, most of the stuff that she truly does for me, she she picked up on her own, man. She figured it out herself. I didn't have to teach her. Now. The, uh, the, the, the rules are that it's essentially, you know, there's a well-behaved dog. That's, that's the first thing. Behavioral expectations, you know, dog's not pooping inside. It's not eating food off the table. Um, the easy way to, that I can describe it is look up the American Kennel Club's uh, canine good citizen test. If your dog can pass the uh, canine good citizen behaviorally it's it's got the uh the foundation it needs to be okay. a service dog from there your dog needs to have three tasks to mitigate a disability that's all the bar is super low man it, it it just it takes time it takes some effort but you can absolutely train your own dog you know you could do it with uh with youtube university if you really wanted to now it is it's tough training a first dog it's it's tough man i I'm amazed that I figured it out and I had a lot of help. Um, but there are uh, some organizations out there that can help, help you with that. And veteran canine intelligence Academy is one of them. Um, so how do you, what organizations do you uh, send the profits to? You said 25% go to. Yeah. In need. Yeah, we donate 25% of our profits. Right now, we're only working with Veteran Canine Intelligence Academy just because okay. they help me train my dog. Um, they're, a, they're a smaller organization, and what, what, they, they can, what they can do is in line with what I want to have happen, and that's that you know, we've had veterans come to us on a Thursday not having a dog, and they're like, you know, I need a, you know, I'm going through it. I need a service dog. We go and get them a dog that day and begin their training, get them set up with everything that they need. And so, you know, like, dude, 
12 hours, you've got a dog instead of two to three years. Now, wow, get the he, fuck out of yeah. here. Wow. Yeah. And it's what not like fuck? a shitty dog tearing everything up either, you know? Well, I mean, you know, like the dogs got not necessarily got any training, but we, we work with that, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that any dog can, can get to this point. And, and I've seen some, dude, I've seen some straight crazy ass dogs come through this program and graduate Kevin. like, Shut like up, full service dog status and you know it, it's it's one of those things that you you get out of it what you put in um if you spent six months fully dedicated to training your dog you you'd have a full-on service dog in six months if you only work with your dog five minutes a day well it would probably take you like two years to get there but you'll get there um yeah dogs dogs are amazing and and if you give them what they need to thrive and succeed uh, that what, what they're capable of is just absolutely phenomenal. That's what I'm looking for. Like, cause my dog is crazy, dude. Like he's so high energy. He's just an intense dog. Like yeah. he's, he's like 80 pounds. You know, I fed him only really like raw chicken and sardines growing up. So he's super jacked. Like he's a great animal. He's just so intense. Like he doesn't know how strong he is or, you know, I mean, he's a pit, so sometimes he snaps at my wife. So, he like, doesn't that's relax. He doesn't relax exactly, exactly. So we've been working on like giving him a crate inside, like a place that's just his, where he can just go and be by himself. You know, it's just hard. Like, I that dog could could do some damage. You know. Oh, he needs oh, a job. Is what he needs. Yeah, yeah. Like, like having a place, super important. Having a job, even more important. And what, you know, like. I, I ain't even got to meet him. I can tell you right now, you could definitely train him to be a service dog. Most of that behavior is probably uh, from just not having enough mental stimulation, which is where the job comes in. You know, being a service dog is a job. What kind of job? Dog. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'm giving him a job. Like, he's not going to be flipping yeah, burgers. Go, go to McDonald's, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> go to Home Depot. Go make some money, homie. Come on. Yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> Start an OnlyFans. Feed your sister. Start an OnlyFans. <laughs> feed yourself yeah what kind of like what kind of job how do you get started on giving him that type of job like what could kevin do today to get this dog to quit acting up yeah so probably the first thing that i would work on would be uh working on the leash uh how's oh. how's how's he on leash yeah yeah that's what i thought horrifying, <laughs> yeah, that's what horrifying I thought. bro he'll pull me like i'm fucking 210 pounds bro this dude you saw him trev bro he'll put all of his heart in some but yeah, terrible to answer your All question. Right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something easy that you can do. You got a park nearby, like a pretty big park nearby. Oh yeah. All right, get you like a 30, 30 foot leash. And honestly, don't buy the leash, man. Go to Home Depot, get you a hundred feet of rope, cut it down to 30 <laughs> feet, put a couple of D lengths on each end. For five dollars, you get a 30 foot leash. You go to Petco and do that, dude. You're spending like 60, 60, 70 dollars. Okay, okay. Get you a 30 foot long lead, long leash, go to a park, dude, let them go. Like, hold on to the leash, obviously, but let him do his thing, man. Every time he comes back and checks in on you, dude, bring, like, some boiled chicken or something, maybe some of them sardines, something he absolutely oh, loses his little marbles for. Some Every time feet, he comes yeah. back to check in with you, toss him one of those bad boys, dude. Spend maybe 15, 20 minutes at the park. Do that every day. Every time he comes to your side, give him a, give him a little treat. Eventually, he'll start wanting to be at your side. And, I mean, there's wow. – 
What the fuck, Kevin? Dude, I'm so excited to see this yeah. transformation. Dude, well, because like, gonna I, do it. Kevin's gonna do it. I've been trying to do like more positive reinforcement because, like, when he was growing, like, I got him right when we got back from uh, my last appointment. So, like, most of his life growing up was negative reinforcement. It was me just beating his ass when he'd do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this isn't gonna, this isn't sustainable, bro. Like, this is, yeah. I don't want him to be afraid of me. Like, when I'd pick my hand up to get a glass of water and he'd flinch, I just felt horrible, dude. Yeah, but it's like this is a fucking whole dog. Like he's not, he's not clipped or anything. Like he's just a full ass dog. And it's but like you know that's in the military. That's what they tell you. It's all negative reinforcement. Like Trevor, you fuck something up, I'm gonna be on your ass, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. When I and and I was flinching when I went to work the other day. Yesterday I was, I'm like, I can't fuck this up, dude. I like, I I felt horrible because I was. I was standing there needing exact instructions because I didn't want to do the implied task because I knew I was going to do it wrong. And it's like, I don't even know if I'm going to do it wrong. Like, I, I just need to do it. Like, I'm standing here while this guy's working and I need to ask him exactly what he needs right now so that I don't do it wrong. Like, it, it felt horrible. But, like, yeah. you were afraid to do things wrong. Yeah. Like, you were afraid to do things wrong in the military. Why? Yeah. It it was because the NCO is going to get on your ass. Just like my dog's afraid to do something wrong because he thinks I'm going to hit him. Like, like, it's just, it's not sustainable, bro. On the drug topic, though, when we got that microdose, we were microdosing acid, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And that in and of itself, bro, because like the, there was a Doberman next door and he'd always go underneath the fence and like I'd have to go completely around the, to their house and get him. I just, I hated it when he'd go over there because it's just an inconvenience to them. And, like, for a little bit, I was just picking up the fence. When he come home, i just beat the fuck out of him. I'm talking, like, punches. And then he stopped doing that, so I'd have to go over there. And then I'd microdose this acid spray, and then it happened, like, the next day. And I'm like, bro, there's no point in getting upset about this. Like, yeah. that's not going to help anything, you know? Like, maybe he's running over to get away from me. I don't even know. But it was just, like, I need to be doing more positive reinforcement. Absolutely. It's all positive reinforcement. So dogs don't make the same connections that we do. So what you were saying, you know, your dog would come back and then you'd beat his ass. What, what you are telling him, what he's hearing rather is you were over there and you came back. And because I came back, I got my ass beat. And so you said you had to start going over there to get him. Yeah. Because his lesson he learned was I came back and I got my ass whooped. So yeah, all positive reinforcement as the sternest you should be with your dog. And this is only if you like catch them in the act, right? Like, Say you you find your dog chewing on your your shoe or something, just be like no, and you take it from them, and that's that's about it. That's all. Honestly, all you need. They're super in tune with you. Um, Whoa! But other yeah. than that, dude, it's all positive reinforcement, dude. If you can make training fun, your dog is going to be all about it. Make training fun, dude. If they don't like the the treats you got, boil them some chicken, man. Make them some steak. Find something that they are about and they'll, they'll, they'll start to do, they'll work for you. They'll work hard for you. That's all they want to do anyway is just please you. So, yeah. Like when he'd run over the, when he'd run to their yard, I'd lift up the fence and like five times he'd come like just crawl back under the fence to our yard. And then I, you know, have him right where I wanted him. But then he stopped and I'm like, brother, what the fuck am I doing, dude? But like, it makes so much sense. Like in his mind, he's, coming to see me and here i am beating his ass like yep what the fuck damn 
I'm a dog. <clears throat> it's just, it's a hard thing, dude. Because I mean, that dog is a lot of fucking dog. But like, that's the only way I knew how. You know, like, I don't want to justify it, but like, we weren't big on positive reinforcement in the army. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what yeah, man. Even your good job. Like, even a big dog like that, dude. Just straight positive reinforcement. If uh, just a stern no is gonna gonna cut it. Um, for for even dude, it doesn't matter how big the dog is. Dude, it could be just a gnarly jacked pit bull. It don't matter, dude. A stern no will do the job. They'll they'll get the they'll get the hint. Um, especially if you really lean into positive reinforcement, really, really bonding with your dog, you know, giving them the affection that they're looking for, giving them the treats, giving them, yeah, that's, that, that's all you need to do. That's what he'd do. Like when he'd be in the backyard, we started just calling him and every time he'd come on the first time we'd give him a Cheeto. Yep. And now it's like pretty easy. A Cheeto. He loves cheese, bro. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, man. And that's with the long lead too. Uh, you can, uh, work on recall with a long lead. And in fact, it's great for it because if he gets distracted, you can just reel him in, you know? Um, and then when he gets to you, give him, dude, give him a high value treat, give him a piece of steak, give him a piece of chicken, man. And uh, you'll find that that recall will get really good, really fast doing that. So, uh, so I, I don't want to have a puppy. A lot of people don't have time for a puppy. I can go to a pound and get a dog and do this. Yeah, dude, yeah. you might, you might have to overcome some behavioral problems that have yeah. come from the dog being a puppy, but it's totally doable. You know, it, it might be beneficial to, uh, to find a, find a trainer where you are. If, if, if there are behavioral problems, I would say definitely work with an experienced trainer. And, uh, if you hit us up at VCIA veteran canine intelligence, God, I hate, it's such a mouthful. If you hit us up at VCIA, we'll we'll get you hooked up with a with a pretty good trainer that can that can set you straight if you have some behavioral issues. Okay. From <laughs> over from what from Zoom, you could just hop on Zoom and no, we'll, uh, we'll basically we'll find you a trainer that's in the area that can that can get you hooked up. Oh hell yeah! Wow, Dude, incredible. What the fuck. See this is what yeah, I'm saying. What? Like this this mission aligns so well with us, man. Like it's veterans coming to coming together is. The thing that's going to stop veterans from killing themselves. Oh, like, absolutely, dude! Like going to see you work this hard and go through the the building of the brand and do all that. Like that's what makes me want to work harder with my brand and build my brand. When I see like Joe Schmo who dropped out of college at nineteen to go make fifty grand a month doing TikTok shorts or whatever the fuck, I don't care, dude. Like it doesn't matter to me. But when I see they're not overcoming anything to me. When I see someone get back from overseas, get whatever it is, I got medically discharged. They get medically discharged and then they're able to carry on, build something great and keep moving. It's just, it's incredible. It, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, that alone is, is going to help a lot of veterans just so that other veterans, I mean, even like myself to know that someone like you out there is willing to work with me and to get veterans on the show and the veterans saying, Hey, this is, this is helping people. We had a couple episodes ago, dude said that Scott, you guys are mentors to people like you need to see yourself as that that blew my mind just for him to yeah. even see us as a mentor like that right there gets me i don't want to kill myself anymore dude i need to mentor some people to help them out like it's it's incredible what veterans can do for veterans and it's i think i don't know maybe it's a bad taste in their mouth like what why do you think veterans aren't help not helping each other why do they disconnect 
Bad. Well, I, dude, I don't know. I, bad taste. Did, did you ever have a toxic command? Did you have some commands? Right like, here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, you, you hazed the shit out of him, didn't you? Oh, yeah. dude. One of the two people in the army I raised my voice to was Trevor Mills one time. Oh, I, I feel bad about it. it was for, not, for not cleaning up someone else's shit. It yeah, was, well, but you knew who the platoon sergeant was. Like, I wasn't mad. I was just pissed off at yeah. everything. So I, yeah. I still apologize for it. But yeah, no. What a, <laughs> what a, speaking of toxic command, yeah, this guy. Right yeah, there. yeah. No, I think you know a lot of us were used and abused, and we've got a bad taste in our mouth. We don't ever want anything to do with like you know, Sergeant Major Schmuckatelli that was just a fucking piece of shit the whole time, and like it was like you had a personal vendetta against us. But like, dude, whatever the fuck, who cares, man? That that's done and gone. It ain't my fight no more, and it's not. Yep. On any veterans fight anymore, dude. Like, yeah, you got you got fucked over. That that fucking sucks, dude. I when I was uh when I was so when I was in ITV, I went to go get help because I was really not doing good and my command treated me like I was fucking cancer, dude. They, ITB uh, real quick? Yeah. Infantry quick. training battalion. Oh, I was an instructor there. What is oh, that? Really? Oh, infantry right. training battalion. Infantry, it's in the name. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, okay. Uh, they train the infantry. Yeah, exactly. Got, it. What? Got it. Fucking wild concept, ain't it? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck you, Trevor. Quit laughing over that. I'm about to yell at you again. <laughs> anyway, though, anyway. But, they yeah, you, you like went you to go shit, get help? Though. Like, yeah, you went to therapy or something? Yeah, dude, I was going to see a psychologist, like, you know, ancillary stuff to try and try and help me get better. I went to an intensive outpatient program, like, and the command really never gave me the space or the ability to heal. You know, I went to this intensive outpatient program when we were supposed to be TAD. Um, and I had to check in every morning before I went and I had to check in every day afterwards. And it was just like, you know, I guess that could be considered reasonable. But at the time, the way I felt about it was like, dude, you just want to fuck me over every time I, I come into the office somehow. So you want me to come in beforehand. So that way I go to my, my uh, therapy all fucked off and have something to work on. And dude, I didn't smoke at this point, but I started smoking cigarettes, dude. Cause it was just like, I need to do fucking something. And Hey, if I get cancer, maybe they'll leave me the fuck alone, you know? <laughs> but yeah, that, and then uh, I, uh, I, they ended up putting me in for basically a medical retirement. And it was at that point that they were just like, all right, well, fuck you, dude. You ain't shit. You're getting a retirement. Yeah. I said, all right. Good fucking luck, man. And, you know, same thing. They treated me like shit. They treated me like I was cancer, dude. I was a staff sergeant with two combat deployments, a crisis response. I'd trained thousands of uh, like 1600 privates at this point. I'm a subject matter expert in my, in my field. And they were like, yeah, you go, 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 uh, go sweep the sidewalk. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. You can give me a working party and I'll make it happen. But I am not personally sweeping the fucking sidewalk. I'm going to go to the gym and go home and you guys can do whatever the fuck you want. I, I don't even care anymore. And so I got out on very bad terms with my command. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's experiences like that. Why veterans disconnect from veterans when, you know, the reality is the three of us sitting here, I, I may have been toxic to a couple of my my students or Marines. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat that. But I was I was honestly trying to do the best I could, the best I knew how and being brought up in a toxic like haze the haze the stupid out of your Marines yeah. kind of environment. Like, 
that's what I knew. Um, I think that's that. Yeah, I think that's what uh, what it might be. We all get out and we realize it's like in the real world, military almost doesn't matter to anybody. So when you get out and you're struggling alone, the only people that understand what the hell you've been through and what you've done are the people you did it with. Yeah. So even though, yeah, even though Kevin yelled at me or I have, I, I mean, I have plenty of people on my phone. I'm in a group chat with somebody now, my first leader, who may I may not have always agreed with them, may have not always get gotten along with them. He treated me all right. Like I, I, I would say he treated me pretty damn good. Oh, and and. Those little things, like Kevin yelling at me, like him yelling at me, whatever it may be, him calling me a fucking idiot for jumping out of a car into a trash can, like those, those little things don't matter anymore because I I need to survive. I need to be here in the world. So you yelling at me then it doesn't matter, <laughs> but you yeah. understand that I I don't want to be here right now. Type shit. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter if you yelled at me. That that type of lit those. They end up being little things, but in the army, they're big because it's almost every day where someone's telling you you're wrong or you're stupid or whatever it is. So it's, I think that that bond, just like the, I mean, comparing it to uh, like nine twelve, that bond of something terrible happening and you guys coming together to defeat it is, is I think what overcomes it. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree because Dude, everything that happened in the military, it doesn't matter so much on this side. You know, it's just right. oh it's people God. just going through it. You know, the hardest thing that I ever did in the military was transition out of the military and yeah. become a civilian. And, dude, it's just I, I don't really care what people did in the military. I, like, it, just, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, we always labeled people who, like, smoked pot as shitheads. But, like, dude, it's just weed. Honestly, who the fuck cares? Like, yeah. You know, yeah, so I, honestly, I don't, I don't give a fuck what you did in the military. It was like, all right, there's some people that like, dude, if you raped somebody, you're just a piece of shit. Don't do that, you know. But yeah, for the most right. part, like, if you, I don't know, if you smoked weed and got kicked out, dude, who fucking cares? Like, yeah. you, know, you, you, you stepped up when your nation needed you, and you went through it. You did some hard shit, and then that, uh, yeah, transition out. There's not not the best support, not from the government. That's for damn no, sure. That, Adams, Kevin, a prime example. Exactly. Like you, I think one thing I realized when I got out row is that rarely is someone in the army or the military, a hateful individual. Say someone was a toxic leader. Odds are they did not wake up and think, Oh, how can I make everyone's life miserable? Like even that platoon sergeant, we're not fond of Trev. Like if he apologized to me and tell me he wronged me, I would have nothing but love for the guy. Like, yeah, I don't think he was a, a spiteful individual. I just think he might have been going through something and only had the tools that he learned. No, like, I mean, we got him coming down on us. Who's he got coming down on him? Exactly. Like, he's probably pissed off too. <laughs> but you never see that. Like when I yelled yeah. at you, I was coming down on you. But I mean, I was vocal about it. But like, if normally you wouldn't have known what was coming down on me. Right. So it's like everyone's a person. And I think you really get an appreciate. Like the dude we're in a group chat. Want to try? I mean, my first boss when I got to the engine shop too. I was afraid of him for like years. Like I thought he was just this stern asshole, you know, come to find out like when I got out, I want to walk with him like a mother go. Like his dad was just beating the shit out of him growing up, dude. Like he wasn't a bad guy. He just got dealt the shit hand and didn't know how to go about, you know, dealing with it. So it's like, can I blame him for being like that? Of course not. And like, even if I did, what is that going to do? It's, it's not going to help anything. 
Yeah. It's just a little bit of forgiveness, I think, goes such a long way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, we're all – I'm of the opinion that about 99.9% .9 of us are all just trying to do as good as we can with what we have, and most of us have been dealt a pretty shit hand. Yeah. Can I ask, yeah. though, like – oh, go ahead, Trevor. I'm sorry. I was going to ask if you just believed uh, – do you, do you believe people are generally good or bad? Just because we're on the topic, it could be a quick answer. It's just yeah, curious. I believe that they're gen generally. I, I think people are, you know, good. They want to do good. It's just, you know, it, it, hey, if your needs ain't met, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, dude. If you're if you're wanting for something, if you, if you can't if you can't put food on the table for your kids, yeah, you're going to be a hell of a lot more inclined to go steal somebody's catalytic converter, dude. I have all the food I need. I have shelter, so I'm not going to go out and steal somebody's catalytic some somebody's cat, you know, like. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, I think people genuinely, generally just want to be good and do good. And, you know, there's a few bad apples that are just rotten to the core. But for the most part, you know, people are just trying to get their needs met. Yeah. So for anyone in a commander leadership position watching this, right, how should they go about dealing with, let me rephrase. So if, if you're you back in the Marine Corps, you go up to your commander, you just tell them like, yo, I'm not doing well. What would the ideal response to that be? Would it, Great what, question what because, like? yeah, on the other side, um, so I, I'm sorry to answer the question, but I, I just want to preface this because when I was going through my medical discharge, it wasn't uh, anything mental. I, I ended up with scoliosis, but at the same time, I was going through a divorce, and I wanted to say this before, the leadership that I had dealt with it so well, and it it, it hurt to hear what you went through because – when I said I had therapy, they didn't care. When I said, dude, I'm not coming into work. I'm staying at home. They didn't care. They talked amongst themselves, said, should Trevor come to work? Is it better for Trevor to come to work or is it better for Trevor to stay at home? They were looking out for my best interest, and they said, no, let's keep him at home. I I hope they're listening because they, they really did help me out a lot, whether they think oh, it they or know. Not, they they know. Yeah, they really did help me out a lot, but go ahead. Yeah, I would say just – just listen to them, you know. Um, I, I don't know about the Army, but in the Marine Corps, there's like almost this knee-jerk reaction to, you know, hey, if you're going to see the wizard, the psychologist, like you're probably just faking. Well, you know, maybe maybe somebody is, but honestly, who cares, dude? Like mission's going to get accomplished no matter what. So if this person doesn't want to be here and they're faking it, whatever, man, let them do it. Let them get out of there. You're making your unit stronger by letting them do it. At the same time, you know, this person may actually be going through it. And if you like try to try to, you know, get them because you think they're just pulling shit out of their ass to get out of it, dude, you're potentially costing somebody their life. Um, so so I would say as as a leader, like, dude, listen to them, man. It, it's not it's not worth it uh to push back against it just let them get the help that they need and be supportive you know it's not dude it's the <laughs> i did this thing for like nine and a half years man i know it's not like if you ain't deployed like almost nothing is seriously mission critical it's gonna get done so dude just like yeah. if they have help that they can get let them get the help man um your unit will be better for it and honestly like if i'd been allowed to get the help i could have gotten or, or I, I should have gotten if I'd been allowed to truly focus on myself, dude, I could have gotten back in the fight after probably about nine months, maybe, maybe 12 months instead of being separated. Dude, I, I got that's, out. I had, that's huge. 
yeah. yeah, I had like a year and a half or something left on my contract. Dude, with my contract, I could have gone to a victory unit and deployed as a platoon sergeant. But I didn't because I wasn't given the time and the space to heal and get back in the game. Yeah, no, that I mean, that's impressive because it takes about 18 months to get over some trauma, no matter what you're going through. So to, I think, um, yeah, I think I would have healed. I don't think I would have healed at work, though. So I, I'm very fortunate to have gone home and. Uh, with my medical discharge and all that, I was able to go home, stay home, and work on myself. So without that, I don't know how much I would have healed. Um, but, yeah, like like me and Kevin say all the time, dude, 90% of these suicides could be stopped just by listening. If someone yeah. just had someone to come – why the podcast them? Just come on the show, talk about whatever you want to talk about. This I'm having a, a fantastic time right now. Like, it, just come on the show – Spill whatever you have to spill. Talk about whatever you want to talk about because when we, when you leave for the military, you're you're leaving your family. You have zero support. You don't have your family there anymore. You can call them, their phone call away. Of course, it's not the same thing. But when I get someone like Kevin come down on me, who's my who's my boss, and come down and say, "Look, man, let's go talk about it. Let's go smoke and talk about it." That is so huge. It, it, it's better than therapy. <laughs> it's better than therapy. Just like this, it's almost better than therapy because you. You could come on, you could open up and talk about whatever you want to talk about. And you know that someone is listening. The, the ability to listen needs to be, and it's almost because like um, you don't see people on a personal level in the military. The, I think the rank yeah. structure botches that a lot. The I'm a higher rank than you. Listen to me. The, the personal, there's no personal because then, I mean, you're working together for 12 hours. How often do you really want to go out with these people or hang out after work? Like Kevin taught me that. Kevin never wanted to hang out with us. Oh, never. And I finally realized, like, no, like this makes sense. He's got a wife. Like, he, he hangs out with us 12 hours a day, 7 to 5 or whatever it is, it's tw 10 hours. Why would he want to hang out with me after work or on the weekends? It wouldn't make sense, you know? But when you're at work, you don't get that personal level type of thing. So it's. That's why the deployments tie into that because the deployments, you have that little downtime. You can't go home to your wife. You Calling your parents. I, I couldn't call my parents. I was 12 hours ahead. They can't answer. They're sleeping. So you get that downtime with somebody to actually talk about shit, open up, and let it all go and just listen. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful, man. Yeah, and just seeing people as people too, bro. Like no one's yeah. waking up. Wanting to do the wrong thing, trying to cause trouble. Maybe one guy, but like most people, dude, like when you were doing something dumb, it wasn't like you were like, oh, let me just make everyone's life at work harder. It was like some dumb shit happened, bro. We're all human. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Or like it's, you know, the inner pain coming out and I'm acting out because like yeah. dude, I just want something to distract me from the pain. You know, I had a motorcycle, dude. I was zipping up and down the five, dude, to like. Like, dude, if I wasn't doing triple digits, something was wrong, you know? And, like, you know, I, I was lucky. I never got hemmed up. But, dude, I was just acting out this inner pain that I didn't yeah. know what to do with. And, you know, you're never taught how to handle this this pain. So it's like, well, well what else can I do, you know? Like, so just straight destructive behaviors. But I mean, with Trev, too, he was getting – he came in and said he was getting discharged. And it was like – months like six months at least where we didn't know when it was going to happen it was pretty much him going to get like we knew he was going to get 
kicked out the army. But like, what yeah. does the time frame look like for that? Just, yeah, just to give people a little background, when you they tell you, so I walked in, they tell me I'm getting discharged. First off, anybody listening, when they tell you that, you have the option to fight it. I didn't know that. You have the option to say, no, I don't want to do this. But in order to get approved for it, you set up this packet, and in the Army, everything takes forever. And they send that packet, I want to say, to Austin, Texas. And they have a bunch of doctors and whoever the fuck to review the packet and then come back to us and say, hey, he can get discharged for this. So it's not... If you're going through a medical discharge, the chances are you will get it. If you don't want it, you have to cut it off before they send your papers up. Just for anyone listening, because those are things I didn't know. <laughs> but, like, bro, we never got kicked out the Army. All the SNCOs, bro, we're still in. We don't know anything about this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, no nobody can know because, yeah, no one went through the medical discharge. The only one that didn't know was Stope, Kev. Kev, he, um, oh, Stope, yeah. he, he had an S spine. His scoliosis His was worse was, than mine. It was like, like you could question. you can notice it just by looking at him. Me, no one notices <laughs> I have scoliosis. No one has a single clue. He fought against it for so long. He actively said to them, "No, I'm not. I'm not getting kicked out." And they just never put it in. I just never knew that I I had the power to do that. But you, what you got discharged for mental health? Yeah. So how did that come about? Did the did the therapist just tell you, like, hey, I think I could get this for you? Or, like, what? what hey, my boy, boy I was, you're fucked. Yeah. I, was, I was struggling, man, working. And it was really exhausting. Like, I didn't really notice my symptoms until I got to, to SOI, where, you know, we were working at least 100 hours a week. And, geez, <laughs> such a fucking 100? job. Yeah, dude, like. Get What's SOI? It was, it was insane. The school of infantry, man. Uh, <laughs> infantry training battalion. Yeah, I, it's just it's so it's hardcore being an instructor there. Uh huh. No, I imagine yeah, just similar to a uh, basic training instructor. Yeah, and dude, my my symptoms they just started to like come out and manifest, and I didn't have time to decompress, and like it just it kept getting worse and worse and. You know, I was seeing a psychologist like basically the entire time I was there because things were just getting like things were getting rough. My peers started to notice the like, dude, something something's off with old Fergie, man. Yeah. Um, and it it came to the point where the, the psychologist started to suggest like, hey, maybe maybe we should start considering pursuing a, uh, a, a medical retirement package. And I was re I pushed back against it for like six eight months maybe a little bit longer and you know the the command kept not being supportive and it got to the point where i was like you know what fuck it yeah let's pursue it because i'm not going to find the healing here if i keep if i keep going what doing what i'm doing right now chances are very good that i'll end up killing myself uh and i just i didn't want to do that i wanted to get better i wanted like serious help you know and it became obvious to me that i wasn't going to be able to get that while staying in the Marine Corps. And so instead of putting the Marine Corps first, I, you know, I put myself first. Yeah, and for once in your life and you were the devil yeah, for it. I was like, you know what? She, uh, my psychologist mentioned it again. She brought it up again. She's like, you know, I think this, this would be an option for you. Like, you know, I think you should take it up because you're not getting better. You're actively getting worse. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Um, yeah, let's, let's pursue this. And so, yeah, I went through the whole goat rope of getting medically retired. They, they were like, yep, we found you not fit for duty. 
And uh, now we need to wait for your EIS to update. And I waited for like eight months for that bullshit. It yeah. took forever. What were uh, you doing though? That that like, what were your symptoms? I guess. Yeah. What what can vet or not veterans people watching this? Like, how could they see themselves? Like, what symptoms were you going through that may be present but you overlooked? Like, mm. for me, one of the things like I was. There would be times I'm driving down the road. And I'm like, I could just skirt this into the pole and I'd be done finally. No, yep, shit that. like that. Like, what what are some things you overlooked that that when you went to the psychologist, it was like, okay, well, this this was this is a reason for a discharge. Uh, well, let's see. Or one of them's reckless behavior. You know, are yeah. you are you speeding everywhere, dude? Are you like doing triple digits on your motorcycle, cut splitting lanes? <laughs> Um, you know, another one that's kind of overlooked and, and is, uh, like, are you having super risky sex? Are you not, not having, are you having unprotected sex, like all over the place? Like that, that's probably another risky behavior you should look for. Um, dude, yeah. are you, are you, are you contemplating suicide or you're like, dude, I just wanted to end. I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was in a, a prison cell and it was filling up with water and I was like, you know, people people were surrounding the thing, looking down at me. I was chained to the floor and I felt like I was like, dude, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm about to die. I'm about to drown. And it felt like nobody was listening to me. Um, you know, I had fits of, of just absolute rage and anger. Like the smallest thing would set me off and I just I would go the fuck off. Uh, I had, you know, crippling anxiety. I would, I would struggle to even go to the the convenience store on base. You know, the for us, it's the Marine Corps Exchange, whatever you guys call it. You know, oh, the shop know. at, yeah, yeah, the shop at. Dude, that's yeah. such a that's that's name. not no, that's not what we call it. What is it called? It's like <laughs> that's, yeah, bro, yeah, no, that's the commissary. No, like yeah. the gas station where you get some snacks. Yeah, the bro. gas station where you go for a can of dip and you know, oh, like no the reason. shop at dude. Yeah. We ours was like our entrance was really close to off base. We just go to with the flying J most times. Yeah, we got lucky. Yeah, we yeah. got we yeah. The shop at though is what it's called. <laughs> I'll stand by yeah, that's that. That's gay. Bro. You're right. That's gay. Damn it. <laughs> whole, yeah. yeah, I don't make the rules, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Anxiety. Uh, cr just absolutely crippling depression, dude. I didn't want to do anything. I, like I'd get off work and I'd just be like, no, I just want to like sit in the dark in my room and just fuck off. You know, um, I didn't ever do anything fun. I didn't ever hang out with my friends. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't hold a relationship to save my life. Um, things, things that you might've used, used to find like joy in, you just like, I ain't, ain't really interested no more, you know? Um, Dude, if you just, I don't know, if you ain't right, like, I, I think you know you ain't right. If you're not happy and you're not, like, enjoying life, you know, okay, the, the military sucks. But, like, afterwards, when you go home, if you're not enjoying your life, chances are you got some issues you probably need. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if you're getting off and life life sucks when you get off, that's that's a good sign. My my biggest problem was I never knew. I I. Kelly Parker, uh, he uh, he served as a sniper. Got out. I met him through my ex, and um, I was able to go over to his house and smoke. And he he got discharged for for um, met, uh, mental reasons. And now he's yeah. I mean, he's doing great now. He's got a kid, but he had to almost lay it out for me. 
and, and Darby too. Darby, uh, I, I forget what episode she was on. She came on the podcast too. She wow. had to lay it out for me. I text. She came over, man, and she she never came over. She, I don't think she really liked my ex at the time, so she oh, never really gosh. came over. But my ex, um, I don't know if she was there or not. Darby came over and just started explaining what was going on. I needed someone to lay out like why I wasn't having fun because you don't have the energy to almost even think about it. You go to work, yeah. you work ten hours, you come home, and like you said, you want to just sit down and do nothing. And it's like, why? Why? What? I don't even know why. I just this is what I want to do, and you don't think twice about it. But when I had Kelly just lay it out, and he's like, dude, like this. Do you think about doing this? Yes. All right. Do you? What do you do for fun? I'm like a fucking nothing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It, it, someone just had to lay it out, and it um, it's something you don't really understand until you go through it, and that's why it's hard for like a psychologist who's not veteran to help you out in the VA because they, they it's something they haven't gone through because living that ten hour life of going through like Kevin said all the negative and negative and negative and negative and negative. Then you get home and now you're negative on yourself. They don't really understand that. They never had that. So it's hard to make that connection. It's like, hey, you're going to be all right, but you just kind of don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah, dude, it's it's hard, man, especially when mental health isn't very well understood. It's not even even for civilians, man, like mental health isn't necessarily a priority. I think as a country, we don't do a good job of recognizing it. Um, and you know, mental scars are still, dude, they're still wounds. They still need to, to heal. Like you wouldn't, dude, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take somebody that has like a compound fracture and a bone sticking out of their forearm and be like, ah, get back to it, man. You're all right. Like, no, yeah, clearly, like, all you, in. you need some, you need some medical shit going on there, dude. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the problems with mental health is you can't see it. You can't see what somebody's going through. And so, you know, if, if you are going through it mentally, man, just get the help you need. Everybody else be damned, honestly, like get the yeah. help you need because you need it. That's that's like that's a serious thing. Um, you know, if if you if you have no spark in your life, if there's no joy in your life, like you'd find 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 some help because life shouldn't be like that. You know, it ain't normal and it is not it's not a bad thing to seek, seek help. You know, it, it's hard to seek help. And if anything, it should be a badge of honor that, Hey, look, I was going through it. And so I got the help I needed, you know, that's, yeah. I think that's, that's the way that we should look at it instead of like, uh, I'm weak. I needed help. Nah, man. Like everybody goes through shit. Absolutely. Everybody goes through shit. Some people's shit is bigger than others. And <laughs> dude, sometimes you just need a help in hand, man. Well, shit, yeah. Trev. You cool if I send her a final question then? Do a final question, dude? Yeah, I got fine. one. I'm... You good? What do you got? Yeah. No, I I don't got nothing. I'm just enjoying it, dude. I, I don't care how long okay. we go, to be for honest. Sure, for sure. <laughs> um, <coughs> I'm sorry. Would you recommend people to join the military right now? <laughs> oh, I wanted to get into that, too. This may not be the final oh, question. God. This might be <laughs> another discussion. Uh, Fall in. Hey, if you feel called to it, man, do it up. Would I do it again? I don't know. I guess that depends if I get to keep all the stuff that I know now. Um, me personally, at this point in time, I'm not so sure I would do it again. Uh, you know, it's something that's necessary for the for the country. 
Um, if you feel called to it, do it up, man. You'll, you'll get some good shit out of it. If, uh, if you don't feel called to it, then right on, dude, do something else. Find, find whatever it is that you're called to in life and hammer that shit out, man. That's where you'll, that's where you'll find yourself. Yeah. yeah Cause I don't know what would call someone to join the military right now. I mean, uh, nope. A uh, draft. <laughs> yeah. But like, come on, bro. No, yeah. Propaganda is a pretty solid one. That'll, yeah. that'll, that'll get some people in the military. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, they've, We'll we'll switch into a little politics. Have some fun here now. Pop off, pop yeah, off, no, bro. We'll, sw- well, yeah, no, I, I'm assuming like you, you you're right, up with. I'm gonna eat my curry then. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is almost like an after show. We'll get into actually. We will start doing something like this and posting it exclusively on Rumble. So maybe we'll cut this out and post this extra on Rumble or something because that's how you start uh moving on up. Yes, but, sir. No, I'm assuming you've been up with like the Hamas and everything. Like you know what's going on, or or you just kind of just yeah. so so. Um, after coming back from Peru with my experience with the ayahuasca, yeah, you're I like had, the shit's on fire. <laughs> I had so much inner peace that I've never had in my entire life, and so I was like, you know what, I need to guard this jealously. Like this is important to me. Yeah. You know, I've been on for 32 years of my life and finally I have like some Zen and some peace. So I know there's some shit going on. Honestly, what am I going to do about it? You know, there's not a thing I can do. I'm not in the military. I'm not a politician, dude. I'm just trying to run a small business and get veterans dogs. So that's all I'm letting myself worry about, man. Uh, My, my, my approach to stuff is, dude, if I can't change it, I don't worry about it. It ain't like... I don't even care to hear about it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. So I know some crazy shit's going down. I know there's an awful lot of human suffering going down on both sides. Um, and that's a fucking shame and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So. Yeah. Wow. No, that's a great fucking view. Well, God damn then. Shit. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> no, cause, uh, I don't know how, like the discharges work with a draft, but I've been thinking about a draft lately. And uh, I was at Walmart, was a car pulling in with a Vietnam veteran sticker on it. I'm like, man, we should go and talk to all these Vietnam vets. It's like it, we're awfully close to a draft. If, at least it feels like I don't really know. Maybe not, but the, there's a bunch of headlights coming out that a draft isn't going to happen when no one's asked the question if a draft is going to happen. So out of nowhere, we just started talking about a draft not happening, which is weird. I don't know. I just feel like it's weird. And I I think we, we have to almost avoid it at all costs. Like it, it sucks that it's going to happen. I, I feel like it's going to happen, but – to avoid it at all costs is what we we ought to do. Because if you look at it, the Vietnam vets, man, here's a quick story about a Vietnam vet. Oh, I was at work, man, and uh, we had a Vietnam vet come in. And Home Depot credit card company charged this man over and over. They They took away his card like three months ago and then kept charging him. And so he came in, older fella, so he came in to call the company. So I was on the phone with this company and this older gentleman and this dude, like no bullshit. He told the the first guy we were talking to, he said, I served, (laughs) I served two tours overseas for me not to speak in an American. You're not even American. I can't understand you. Get me an American. 
on the phone to this fucking guy. I'm like, oh my god, like he's just tearing into this guy. And every like they're not upset people per se. They just have a very unique view on the world. And if there's one thing that we could take away from the Vietnam vets is that they came back, people shit on them. And there's nothing that the person themselves they can do. They got drafted. There's nothing they can do. And the people still shit on them. So to do another draft is just going to lead to more people shitting on more people. It's not, it's not going to help anybody. It, and it's dude, only you know, happening. Like, wars yeah. are a fucking racket anyways. So, yeah. I mean, dude, that, look at the two wars. Look at OEF and OIF. Yeah. Ultimately, what the fuck did we accomplish? <laughs> like, like straight up. All we did was make some people very fucking rich at the expense of a lot of young Americans lives yeah. and like a lot more of young Americans mental health. And like, did you feel scammed about what? that? Did huh? you feel scammed? Like, did you feel like the government yeah, got Yeah, I do. I, I feel fucking scammed, dude. Yeah. I went over and fought in Afghanistan for fucking what dude. It ain't the Afghan people's fault. Like those are some hardcore people, man. Yeah. Like, and, and you know what? They're just trying to live their lives, man. Tell me why the fuck, did we invade uh, to get Osama bin Laden? Because we killed him halfway through my 2011 deployment. And then I went back again in 2013 and we didn't leave until 2020. So why were we in Afghanistan? I, nobody's held the, the <laughs> people in power accountable and war is just a fucking racket, dude. So yeah. can I, can I attempt to change your mind on the whole? Uh, All Afghanistan right, Kevin. Yeah, no, I, I would love for you to change my mind yeah, too. Man. I would love to, bro. just because. I thought that it was useless to go over there and to be over there for so long, right? But although it may be gone now, <clears throat> we were able to give them 20 years of relative peace. There was 20 years where girls could go to school over in Afghanistan. It evaporated in half an hour. But for that 20 years <laughs> that we were over there, they had some semblance of peace. Whether or not that's worth it, I can't say. Okay. But yeah, there were, I, I will say that is yeah. valuable. Absolutely, yeah. dude. Everybody a little bit of something have the ability to pursue the life they want in freedom and security. But maybe there was a in like it, it went away, right? So maybe through military might is not the way to do it. Maybe there's no, a better way. Uh, I'm not smart yeah. enough to say I'm not claiming I know the way. Yeah. But maybe there's a better way to do it, you know. Yeah, something maybe. that actually builds something that lasts because yeah you're absolutely right man people's uh, ability to to pursue a life that they want that's of their choosing without fear of you know getting beheaded without the fear <laughs> of everything that they've worked for getting taken away that's super valuable i believe that every human yeah. being on earth should be afforded that um now how do we get there dude i don't know and i don't envy the people that are supposed to be in charge of figuring that out i hope i'm never the person that has to figure that out i don't <laughs> think i'm fun enough to do it i hope somebody else steps up to the plate with a great fucking plan and they can figure it out and you know what if they can i'll support them but yeah i just you mean you shouldn't just bomb everyone there that may no, that might not be, be a good idea, idea you know I mean, look, dude, imagine if China bombed us, dude, every, almost every American would be like, right on, fuck you guys. We're going to, let's do this. You know what I mean? And like, so yeah, you bomb somebody's yeah. family and yeah, of course you're going to make an enemy, dude. Like, yeah, shit. I, I, I don't have the answer. I think, yeah, war is not the answer. I mean, we can look at what China's doing in Africa and all their 
mineral mines and stuff. Like China is not strolling into Africa with with tomahawk missiles. They're strolling up building roads for these people. Like that goes. Yeah, no, that that's yeah, that's how a good you point. do it, dude. Is yeah, not the standard American way. Just bomb all the shit. And hope you don't make out. money that way. But like, dude, you could put a toll on a road. I'm sorry. Yeah, how many yeah, that's roads? True. Yeah, no, that's how Florida makes road. their road. We don't have state tax. We make our money through through toll roads. I'm saying, like, I don't have all the answers, but I just I hate to think that people think all of, you know what happened was for nothing. That's just that ain't gonna work, Chief. I'm sorry. You got no, yeah, that's gonna be more suicides. You gotta hunt the good stuff, bro. Mm -hmm. But no, because yeah. It's you know, tough, man. There was some value to kids come out of it, but I don't know, man. There, there would have been a better way, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been way better, but more better. It was not completely <laughs> yeah. fruitless. I will say. Hindsight is, you know, always twenty twenty. Yeah, but yeah. I, mean, I, I just, I disagree with the concept of a draft, dude. Like, like we're closer, I think, than we ever have been in our lifetimes to a draft. I just think the concept is so stupid. Well, it's yeah, no, it's because no one can pass a PT test now. It's half the United States is debating whether they're gay, trans, or lesbian. It's, I mean, there's, there's nobody wants to go in because nationalism has been destroyed. No one wants you to believe in America anymore. And who wants to believe in America right now, anyways? Yeah. Like it's, you're you're a piece of shit for loving America right now. Like I, I'm a piece of shit because I got an America tattoo on me. That's pretty much how the media puts it. Like it's no, that's the problem. We don't have anything to fucking join for. Why would someone join the military right now? Well, I will say that like you know, nationalism might not be the best thing because it leads to people thinking like, hey, we're the best. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. Like, dude, you can love your country. I love America, but like. Dude, I'm not going to, you know, enrich our lives at the expense of somebody else over in a country I've never met. Yeah. When, dude, you could do that and also enrich somebody else's life, too. You know what I mean? Like, that just, it doesn't sit right with me to, you know, build build a massive bunch of wealth off the back of somebody else who's not, who's just getting taken advantage of. You know, yeah, but when people know though that that's what the military is going to do, they're you're, they're going to go into some small ass country, do a regime change, and just pillage all their shit. Why would they join? Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. It's like, propaganda for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but like get you or like yeah, like my dad served and my grandpa served and my great grandpa. That that's all I could really see. But like, dude, all those people, they're telling their kids not to join. Would you tell your kids to join the military trial? No, hell no. no, hell I no. Me tell. neither. I, I would tell them, wait. I'd say, wait, wait till the president change. Wait, just wait. Because even the um even the free college is in a college has been debunked now. Every company is offering that too right now. McDonald's has tuition assistance, bro. Yeah. yeah. It's just like because our generation, bro, we were our whole lives, we were fighting wars in a faraway land for what? Like, all, all the people that did 9-11 come from Saudi Arabia. We go to Iraq and Afghanistan. <laughs> we go to Iraq twice. Like, before that, it was Vietnam and Korea. And it's like, dude, people, I don't, they're not buying this. Oh, if it spreads here, it's going to go to us. 
Like, you think Russia's going to post up over here? Like, Hamas no, is not going to go it's, to it's Mexico. It's going to be what China's doing right now with an open border, sending fentanyl over the border to the point where guest on our show had a sister who was just fentanyl poisoned last night because China's dumping this shit into our country. Yeah, but, like, what what is... What is Ukraine or Russia dumping into our country that's worth fighting for? What is Israel slash Palestine got to do with us that's worth fighting for? Bro, this isn't like, oh, I agree with it. It's like I'm willing to risk my life to fucking yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, it would take an awful lot for me to take up arms again. And I'm yep, saying. I just have – I have no interest in fighting anymore. I have no interest in fighting for uh, any government, honestly. I just – I don't. It doesn't make sense. You know, like if another Hitler came up and he was eradicating, you know, some sort of genocide. Okay. Now, now that might be a different story, but dude, it's just countries fighting over resources, dude, get the fuck over yourself, man. Like, you know, it's like, it's like the, the kid on the, on the playground that's like beating other kids up. Cause you know, he wants to get the slot, the slide instead like, well, okay. Yeah. But I was under the impression we're all adults here and we could probably figure something out that's mutually beneficial for everybody. Um, I'm just I'm not interested in fighting anymore, man. I'm really I'm really not like I'm just a, a hippie. I'm a fucking pacifist now, dude. When I got out of the Marine Corps, man, I was ready to commit war crimes, dude. I was yeah. to <laughs> at, yeah. at war. You know, I didn't care who it was. Dude, send me anywhere. I will fucking kill everybody and everything. And I don't even fucking care. And now, dude, like. I don't even like killing spiders that I find inside my house. Like they're invi- invading my personal space, you know. And I'm like, "Come on, little buddy, let's get you outside, you little." I was just trying to do that to a man. roach last night. Yeah. yeah, like it is just you know, and, and like honestly, like psychedelics kind of kind of brought me down from somebody that was you know honestly I had a bloodlust and it just reprogrammed me, deprogrammed me from. The Marine yeah. Corps' uh, bloodlust warrior mentality to like, dude, is it is it really worth it? I, I don't think that fighting's really really worth it. Not not in the sense of war. Like, you know, I'll fight to defend myself and defend people that I love if there's an active threat. But, uh, dude, I'm not gonna go fight a war, man. That's just that's just asinine. And I think <laughs> part of the reason why psychedelics were outlawed in the '70s was because all these hippies were doing fucking shrooms and acid. And they were like, dude, war's a racket, man. I'm not going to fight. And, you know, you can't have that when you're at war, dude. You, you need motherfuckers yeah. to go over there and fight. And so, you know, yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting as, as psychedelics start to, you know, become decriminalized, legalized, and better studied. And, like, dude, they're powerful for mental health. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think there will be a shift away from, like, a uh, – uh, like hey, hey fuck them go bomb them you know to uh well hey like maybe there's something else we can do yeah and with social media like it's harder to lie to people yeah. like i don't think we would have gone to iraq with the the second time with the wmd thing if twitter was a website like people can see that that's not true bro yeah like for all we bitch about it, i think it's a really like a net positive for preventing war because mm-hmm. another war is like when in back in 2003 there wasn't no iraqi voice saying this is like fucking crazy bro we don't no one have a, a, a nuke here like that those aluminum tubes were for someone's toilet you know what i'm saying yeah now we have that and i think that's like a super good thing 
It's yeah. a lot harder to lie to people. Yeah. And you have to remember, man, like, did this human civilization, it's all an experiment. We ain't been doing this for all that long. We don't have yeah. this shit figured out. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I you look at stuff and you look and you, and you hear a lot of like, oh, everything's going to shit. Everything's going to hell. But uh, when was the last time somebody you knew died of polio? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, In like, when was the last time y'all got a scratch and died from it? You know what I'm saying? No, dude. And that's what, that's what I say too. Like I could DM Elon Musk right now. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. There's, there's like, a lot of bad shit in the world, but I think we're, there's a net positive, you know, things, yeah. things are getting better. Like I, I don't have to worry about getting a scratch and dying, dude. Like I can just go to the grocery store and get food. Um, you know, even in, in, uh, developing countries, man, like this, the quality of living across the globe is just skyrocketing. And so, you know, when, when somebody would, would once be like sleeping on the dirt now, dude, they have beds. That's fucking badass, man. You know, there's mm -hmm. modern medicine that can, that can prevent dying literally from a fucking scratch. Dude, I get scratches all the time. Dude, my cat scratches me all the fucking time. Like yeah. that would have been a death sentence, like what, 120 years ago. So yeah. I think it's important to remember that this is all just an experiment. We ain't got it figured out yet, obviously, because we're still fighting each other and we're still like, ah, fuck you, man. You're you're a piece of shit, you know. And I think uh, I think we're headed in the right direction, though. You know, I've got I've got faith in humanity to get it figured out. It ain't going to be easy uh, and it probably won't be pretty. But I, I think, you know, I, I think we'll we'll get there. We'll figure it out. What's it going to take for us to stop fighting each other? <sighs> Probably World War Three, but oh, I yeah, hope yeah, I could see that too. It's like that's that'd be like the final war. It wouldn't be World yeah. War Three; it'd be the final war instead. Yeah, that'd be. I, I I'm I, I if there's one thing, if you ask me, if there's one thing in the world that I'm afraid of, I would say that it's it it's a world war or a nuclear war, and that is this. That's the only thing I'm actually truly terrified of. Yeah, and, no, I, I'm even scared because like. uh like we got an open border and we're fighting people. We're at war with people and we just have like Iranians coming across the border. And like, I was at work yesterday thinking anybody can be bombed right now just because anybody can come into our country and bomb us because we're at, like we're at war, whether they want to say it or not, like in their history books, this will say like America got involved in Hamas war last week. And, so Iranians came to America to bomb America. Like yeah. it, in the history books, thinking 100 years down the line, it's not going to say America sent Marines over to strategically position themselves in the ocean like that. It's not going to say that <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you like that. The fear of the fear of actual World War Three is 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 pretty shitty because we like you said, we have a very good life across the globe are the quality of life has gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, there's people, I mean, there's people in Hamas posting on Twitter. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Like you're, the Taliban, you're, bro, yeah, like the, the Twitter page. Like that's, that's crazy. And to be like, we're in a very good spot. I just hope it doesn't get ruined because humanity, we have a lot to live for if we don't fuck it up ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we're on the doorstep of taking our first real steps into space. Like, yeah. It won't be long and we'll have permanent settlements off of the planet Earth. This is such an exciting time to be alive. Dude, AI yeah. is floating. AI will change the, the, the fucking world. Yeah. 
these are incredible times to be alive. And dude, if we can just survive to get past like this, this, uh, I don't know, animosity that we all have towards each other. And if we can just get to a point where we realize, dude, we're basically we're like, dude, we're all the same, dude, we're all human, man. And we have this pale blue dot in the middle of nowhere in almost an utter in infinite universe like dude there's there's no reason for us to be all fighting each other and at each other's throats dude we should be working together because you know honestly like a real existential threat is like an asteroid coming and annihilating our species you know what i yeah. mean like that's that's the real threat we should be focused on like making everybody's life better everywhere because why the fuck not? We could. I, I'm sure. I don't know how to. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But I bet there's a way. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe maybe put our minds to, like, doing something really cool. Like, building a city that's in fucking space. Dude, that would be sick, man. And, like, <laughs> instead of just video games, dude, it's like, it's re dude, this is real life. Like, it's not science fiction anymore. All of a sudden, we're living in the Star Wars universe, man. That's awesome. I mean, and shit. I think I think humans are capable of just absolutely astronomically mind blowing stuff when they put their mind to it and they come together and work together. And that's, that's my hope for humanity that we all, you know, put aside our differences, accept each other who, for who we are and just do, do good shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause fuck it, man. Why not? Wow. It's a lot better than fighting a war. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. No, so much better than fighting a war. Another war is actually ridiculous. To be able to, I mean, we've been in war for a century now. In more than war. we haven't, act. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's we we're just constantly at war. So like how do how do you maintain hope like that? How do you just continue to feel good about humanity? Because like for me, it's just like going to work and seeing like being at like I I'm the I'm the person that comes in, says, how's it going to everyone? Everyone knows that I'm there. And to know that people may get a smile off my face and, like, have a better day because I showed up and said, how's everyone doing? And I'm having a good time. That That's what gives me hope is that in my vicinity, in the real world, not social media, here and now, people are having a good time because I'm here. Like, how do, yeah. how do you maintain hope? Dude, I, uh, I try and approach everybody and everything that they do with a little bit of compassion. And I try and understand where they're coming from. You know, um, some dude cuts you off on the, on the freeway or like oh, does some God. bonehead shit, pulls around you. Like, you're like, fuck you, motherfucker. Uh, instead of like, you know, going high into the right. I'm like, you know, maybe there's a reason for it, dude. Like, dude, maybe, maybe he's got his, uh, his, his pregnant wife in the car and like, That's exactly that what I think. like that baby's head's already out. Like, dude, if that was me, I'd be doing the same fucking thing, man. I'm getting to the hospital now. Yeah. So like, dude, I just try and have compassion for whatever it is that people are going through. And you know what? People are human. They make mistakes. They do dumb shit. Like, dude, I do dumb shit all the time. Uh, and, and you know, I'm doing dumb shit right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <Dumb>. like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just, 
I just try and have love and compassion for people. And, you know, if somebody does something that, that irritates me, like, all right, well, like in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? And honestly, no, the only power that, that it has is the power that I give it. So I can either allow it to, you know, make me feel all pissed off and angry, or I can just let it go. Cause ultimately it doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah. Odds are they didn't wake up and think, Oh, how can I cut off Steven today? Yeah, how can I really fuck with Steven today? That, yeah. That's 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 the question I want to answer. <laughs> and that's no, what that's I that's, that's what that's I my thought. test job, man. Like that's, that's that's what he does. But you know, he also keeps my apartment mouse free, so it's a give and a take. Hey, shout out the cats. Shit, dude. Fuck. Well, hell, uh, I will be putting up. Some more merchandise here soon. Trying to clean up our shop. It's kind of all over the place because when I first found out how to do it, I just went nuts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be cleaning up our merchandise store here soon. Shop.nsuicide.us. Um, Steven, man, thanks for coming on. This was a blast. I, I actually, I had an incredible time, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah dude. Really... Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for the future. I remain hopeful. I think what me what we have going on here and what you have going on there, it's I mean it'll align forever. And um, for as long as we blow up, you blow up, man. That's that's our goal. What you, what you got going on, man? It's it's incredible. Uh, I think Kevin opened my eyes to this. I think men and young men aren't told this enough. But man, I am proud of you for getting through what you've been through. And yes, I, sir, I'm bro. proud of you for getting where you're at now because it's guys, it's Likewise, it's incredible. It's an easy journey. Yeah, no, it's it's not. And and us men don't like to tell each other good job, but you're fucking killing it out there. And even today, man, Kevin, Kevin might have his his ass a whole service dog now because oh my of God. what you've done today. You know, like Literally. it's it's incredible what we can do. And um, yeah, I'm mean, I'm excited for the future, man. There's a lot in store. It's it's only up from here because because we've been we've all been to the bottom, <laughs> you know, like, like we've been to the bottom. It's it's really only up from here, and it's it's exciting to think about. But uh, but thanks for coming on, Kevin. You got any last words, man? No, bro. I'm just super thankful to have you on. Dude. It's been a pre- a pleasure. Yeah, guys. I'm hey. I'm thankful to be here, man. So you know, just a little bit of thankfulness, gratitude goes a long way. You know what I mean? Amen, man. Sure. But uh. All right, everybody. We'll catch you on the next show. We don't have a, we don't have anyone lined up or anything yet, but we might get my boy on here, a Jehovah's Witness, just to talk about religious differences and uh, the, the, uh, I guess everyone everyone takes the Jehovah's Witness the wrong way, but the way he described it to me yesterday at work was pretty incredible. So we might just cover that a little bit and have a good time, but. We'll see y'all next episode, episode 57. We are done and we are out, baby. Thank you all for tuning in.